Go to the book of Ecclesiastes. Chapter 10. That's page number 1017. If you need help finding out where that's at. Uh, we got this from Los Angeles. Attention, Pastor Mark Shell. Sir, I picked up your CDs at a truck stop in Florence, Kentucky. My CD player never plays a CD without skipping, but your CDs played with no skipping. <laughs> so the next time through there, I stopped and I picked up all your CDs that were available. Your sermons were so helpful to me to follow our Lord Jesus Christ. I want to sow a seed with the Lord via your ministry. Praise and glory unto God in the name of Jesus. And then his signature, which maybe he's a doctor part-time, which I cannot read, but uh, U.S. Navy retired. So uh, thank you for all those that are helping in your, in your tithe and your offering because it certainly makes that still be able to something that we can make available to others. Ecclesiastes, have you found it? That's why I went ahead and read that, give everybody time. That's not like the book of John, where you're in the book of John quite a bit. It takes a while to find the book of Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 10, verse 1. You're going to have to put up with me today. My voice is not going to be as uh, Charlton Heston sounding as it usually is. <laughs> Title today is, What's Your Dead Fly? That's a good title. What's your dead fly? Ecclesiastes 10, verse 1. Dead flies cause the ointment in the pharmacy to send forth a stinking savor. What's your dead fly? Bow your heads. Father, I'm praying, Lord, for your blessing upon the remainder of this service. Help me, Lord God, to be able to speak your truth into this congregation. And Lord, may it be beneficial to them. In Jesus' name, amen. The wisest man did not say that it was a dead mouse in the ointment which to make a vital point with my mom, that would have been all he would have had to say. She's the strongest woman I know and yet will run screaming from any mouse whatsoever. The wisest man did not say it was a dead rat, nor did the wisest man say it was a dead snake, the dead fly. Flies can carry TB, anthrax, the bubonic plague, leprosy, scarlet fever, yellow fever. The average house fly carries two million bacteria. See, I knew there was a reason why I can't stand flies around while I'm eating. There's a reason for that. I have got one dead fly floating around in this glass of water. This is 99.9% .9 water. 
It is 0.1% dead fly. And yet you would be very prone not to drink that. And I thought of this this past week. It's much like Congress when they uh, propose a bill and then they attach an amendment to the bill. You know, if you've got a gallon of ice cream and a pint of dog crap and you mix it in that ice cream, I'm pretty certain it's going to taste more like dog crap than it will ice cream. Pretty certain of that. I mean, all this is, there's a lot of water here. And all this is, is one little stinking, stinking dead fly. Same principle that the wisest man on earth used. That one dead fly can cause the perfume to stink. You can see the water. Just you look thirsty. Huh? Right here. Right here. No? You can drink around the dead fly. Huh? <clears throat> One dead fly. Ike Solomon hit it right square, the nail right on the head because he backs up and says in the in the chapter before, the very nearest words he could say to the dead flies caused the perfume in the apothecary or in the uh, pharmacy to stink. The words right before that says, one sinner destroys much good. The sin of Achan shut down the whole progress of an entire nation. That's why unity, 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 unity is so important. Orchardville Church has 1,200 people. Like last week, we had 1,212 people in attendance. One percent disgruntled. One percent out of sorts. You know what that is? You know what that is. That's 12 people. And Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said, one person destroys much good. He didn't say a dead mouse. He didn't say a dead rat. He didn't say a dead snake. He didn't say a dead dog, nor did he say a dead cat. A dead fly will cause the perfume to stink. King Solomon was saying, little things mean a lot. The idea of a suspension bridge came from a man walking through his garden and he saw a spider's web. The concept of a steam engine came from a guy watching the kettle on the stove when the steam began to come out of that kettle. Jesus spoke about little things about a sparrow in a tree, about flowers in a field, about hairs on a person's head. 
He talked about two pennies gave, given by one little widow and how that those two small pennies have been the motivating factor for people to give to the things of God for 2,000 years. Little things. Hebrews chapter 2. How shall we escape if we rob a bank and kill someone's grandma? Not what it said. How shall we escape if we neglect? That's a little thing. If we neglect so great a salvation. Jesus said in Matthew 18, those that neglect to hear the church are like heathen. In Ephesians, Paul writes, Christ loved the church and gave himself for it. Did you see that? Gave himself for it. Not, I'm out of here, you're not the boss of me. Before Paul's conversion, he said, I persecuted the church. Before Paul's conversion, he said, and this is a mafia term, I wrecked havoc upon the church. After Paul's conversion, he said, I have the care of all the churches on my shoulders. I told a guy a few months back, they ought to love the church like he loved Jesus. And I'm telling you, his retort back to me was, that's blasphemous. He didn't know it, but he was tipping his hand. He was showing that he didn't really had little thought of the church. He had, should have had a whole lot more thought of the church. Let me tell you something. Do you know why some in the church do not have such an elevated view of the church? I think the reason is simple. Their time, their talent, and their treasure is not invested in the church. Don't shout me down now. I will fight and bleed for this church. You know the reason why? I've been here 24 years. I've got a lot invested in this church. I'm going to show you how much Jesus loved the church. Jesus died for the church. That's how much the church is linked. This idea that I'll just love Jesus at home. I don't think you have a foggiest clue what the idea of church is. Without the church, the people that are, that are today, particularly in North America and in Canada, are, are in a church giving around the world now. Next week, there are going to be missionaries that's going to be helped. There's going to be people that's going to be ministered to because people took the time and invested in the kingdom of God with their talent, with their time, with their treasure. Back to our text. A dead fly will cause the perfume to stink. Little sins will cause big sins to happen. To keep from murder, don't hate. To keep from adultery, don't lust. To keep from stealing, don't covet. To keep from hatred, don't slander someone. People, for whatever reason, Christians being the worst, they want to live right on the edge. I have heard this for the, over the, the, the 24 years that I have been here. I have heard this time and time and again. Pastor, can I do this and it still be okay? What are they saying, really? 
How much to the edge can I get? That's what they're saying. Years ago, uh, when Shannon Musgrave was, where's Shannon? There's Shannon up there in the balcony. When Shannon Musgrave was a little boy, his dad told him they had some friction with, with the neighbors or whatever it was, and, and Wilford said, boy, stay out of the neighbor's yard. Okay, Dad, okay. Wilford said, I drive up that night, and there Shannon is playing in the neighbor's yard. I take him inside and said, son, I told you not to play. I know it, Dad, and I did all good all day long. I wasn't playing in the neighbor's yard. I was right up on the edge, and the boy was on the other side, and he pulled me into his yard, and I figured, I'm here. I might as well play. Sad but true, this is the same concept that a lot of Christian people get themselves into. 3,000 years ago, David visits the grave of his infant son and said, my sin caused this. The next day he goes to Amnon, his oldest son, goes and visits his grave and says, my sin caused this. The following day, he goes down into the Kidron Valley to where Absalom's grave, which is there to this day, and says, my sin caused this. And we can say, David, what, what grievous sin was it that you're talking about? And David would say, it was a dead fly of laziness is what caused that. I can read you the account. It came to pass at the time when kings go forth to battle that David tarried at Jerusalem, stayed put, didn't go out to battle like he had in previous years. And that one dead fly led to another dead fly. Because the very next verse says that on evening tide, he got out of his bed and looked out the window and saw a woman bathing and he lusted after her. And I have heard preachers preach this threadbare that it was the woman's fault and the Bible never says that. God places the blame on David. David was to blame. David was to blame. David never said it was that woman's fault. David knew that he was to blame. That dead fly of laziness where he should have been out of the battle and right on the right on side of Joab and his mighty men, but instead he was back home where it was easy. And that sin led to the sin of looking and lusting. Right here. His life was a full glass of water, except for one dead fly, and then another dead fly joined in after it. David sent his servants, but he stayed in Jerusalem. Let me give you something that hurts my heart every time I read this. In 2 Chronicles chapter 26, King Uzziah is struck with leprosy. And the very reason why is because he is king. I grant you that. And there were certain perimeters that he had. I'm going to tell you, even the ocean is hemmed in by the shoreline. 
Even the stars in the sky don't just do what they want to do. And this man had certain criteria of his job, and one of them certainly was not performing the duties of the high priest. But he figured, I'm king. Ain't nobody going to tell me otherwise. I'll do what I want to do. And he went in and took the incense, and he went into the temple of God to offer the incense, and immediately leprosy broke out into his forehead. And the Bible says the priest ran him out of the church house because of the very idea of what leprosy represented. It represented what? Sin. It represented sin. And he rebelled against that. And the Bible said that he lived outside the city gates all of his life. Why? He could have repented and been reinstated, but instead he had pride in his life. But dead fire pride, you ain't going to tell me. Very next chapter, 2 Chronicles 27, King Jotham, King Uzziah's son, refused, hear this, refused to go to the house of God. You know why? Because dad got hurt. Dad got hurt in church. And I ain't going back because dad got hurt in church. The sin of pride and now the sin of hurt feelings. And now we read the very next chapter. And another man is introduced by the name of King Ahaz. Second Chronicles 28. And what's King Ahaz doing? He's offering his own little children in the valley of Hinnom as a sacrifice. And those kids are screaming in that sacrifice. And it can all be traced back to his granddad who was too proud too proud to own up that he had done something wrong. And now that dead fly of pride and that dead fly of hurt feelings, that infection and that disease has crippled him and got into his own life and has stifled him. Achan, a man in the Old Testament that stole from God the silver and the gold and the garment. Why? The dead fly of greed. When we get to that new land, I will have this money set aside and I'll have a step up on everybody else of Israel and I'll get my business going before everybody else does because I've got this gold and this silver and this Babylonian garment. Greed. And God was going to give to the children of Israel more than they could ever have hoped for. But he wasn't about to wait for that. What's your dead fly? There's dead flies. I got to look at it. There are dead flies all throughout the Bible. I've made this point before, but every time I'm here, I just feel like I've got to. Israel conquered 10 major cities. That city was the first city that they was to conquer. God said, when you go there, leave the city alone. I 
everything there is mine. But instead, Achan said, I will take that. And God's saying, that's the tithe. Leave that alone. The other nine cities, you're going to be able to get whatever you can pack off. Here's what I believe. I can live better on 90% blessed than 100% that I steal. That's what I believe. Lot led his family to Sodom. Why? This is, a, this is a, here I'm going to use this term on this fly message. This one really here bugs me. It really does. Why? Discontented. Couldn't get along with Abraham. With Abraham. The father of the faithful. Couldn't get along with Abraham. I'll take my stuff and I'll go my own way. Thank you very much, uncle. Couldn't get along with Abraham. And that dead fly led his family down a darkened, filthy road. King Saul wanted to kill David. Why? Dead fly of jealousy. Listen, anybody, I'll use this term. You hear it politically about every, every four years, and I didn't get it from politics. I got it from John Maxwell. Instead of being a king, it could be that you're a kingmaker. I think that shows a great deal in a person character if they're willing to be a kingmaker. Jonathan, who was next in line legally to be the next king, and he knows David is the guy that's God's choice. So what did he do? Did he fight David and try to, by hook or crook, I'm going to get the kingdom that's rightfully mine? He did not do that. He helped David on every occasion. He was a kingmaker. It is the uh, it is exact opposite of being jealous of someone. Anytime a preacher asks my advice on something, which is Pretty rare, really, but any, because I don't offer advice, I'm not going to tell somebody how to do it. But when they, all, when they ask my advice, I am more than happy to tell them what few things that I would know. Cain rose up and killed Abel. Why? The dead fly of hatred and envy. Envious because God accepted Abel's sacrifice and not Cain's. What's the dead fly in your pharmacy? And notice where it's at. It's in the pharmacy. That's where the cure's at. Cleanest room I have ever been in in my life was the delivery room where I had to sign a piece of paper before I went in and I asked the doctor what this meant. And he said, what this means is if you pass out and bust your head open, I don't have to mess with you. Said, sign it. <clears throat> Cleanest room I was ever in. God wants Orchardville Church to be a clean room, to be able to birth new people into his kingdom. Chuck Templeton, 
Anybody familiar with that name? Knows who that is? Chuck Templeton began preaching the exact same year that Billy Graham preached. They had been friends for a while. And then Chuck, he got invited to be the evangelist for the National Council of Churches, which was a wrong move on his part. Liberal organization. And it got to where he was a brilliant person, but it got to where basically that became his dead fly. Because so brilliant. So that's the word everybody used, so brilliant. That got to be his dead fly because Chuck Templeton, in referring to Billy Graham, eventually got to where he called all that country bumpkin. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, he, he just, yeah, he just preaches, preaches the cross. But, you know, we really got to get in, involved in, in a few other things like I have and, and my deeper thinking and all of this. Yeah, he had brilliance. But his dead fly was condescension, always looking down his nose, down, 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 until Chuck Templeton became an atheist. Now, I've mentioned tonight or today the dead fly of laziness, of lust, the dead fly of pride, the dead fly of hurt feelings, of greed, the dead flies of discontentment, the dead flies of disloyalty, the dead flies of jealousy, the dead fly of hatred, the dead fly of condescension. What's the only thing we can do? We must get it out. There's the dead fly of selfishness, of doubt, of unbelief, unforgiveness. And here's what I am convinced of. We've all... Got a dead fly. That's what I'm convinced of. But hopefully, you're thinking, it, oh, preacher, it's just such a little thing. And I'm telling you, little things mean a lot. The Titanic would never have went down if there had been more than one set of binoculars on board the Titanic. But it was the first captain's set, and he didn't trust him to the underlings, and he wasn't going to let them use it. The Titanic may not have went down if, because it was the largest ship anybody had ever been on, if the measuring device that they used to check the level of the coldness of the water, which was a flask with a long rope, it didn't reach the water. Didn't have a long enough rope. So they just raised it back up and didn't put nothing down in the log. Little things mean a lot. Preacher, how can me pray a prayer, get me saved? Little things mean a lot. I've said some little things in my life that's been a great game changer in my life. When I call my mom up and said, Mom, it's a boy. That's a game changer. When I called her up three years ago and said, Mom, it's a girl. That was a huge game changer there. When I said, I do, changed my whole life. For the better. We did it the old-fashioned way. Kay got down on one knee and asked me if I'd... 
Would you bow your heads, please? I'm going to ask this question. How many here knows that they have a dead fly that's in their life? Would you raise your hand if you feel that's true? Thank you for those hands. Thank you for those hands. Thank you for that honesty. Thank you for that honesty. The Pharisees basically told Jesus that uh, we're on our way to heaven and we certainly don't need you. And Jesus said, prostitutes will get into heaven before you. See, those, they were saying, oh, no, we, we, there's no splotches here. There's no dead flies here. We're just two, two. And God's saying, ah, we've all got some dead flies. Every, every one of my creation has a dead fly that they need to deal with. For those that was willing to raise their hand, few this morning as they begin to play and sing, if the Spirit of God speaks to your heart for you to come forward, we'd ask you to deal with this dead fly. Deal with it. Deal with it. Because if not, it'll stink up your life. That ain't me saying that. That's the smartest man that ever lived said that. He said, it'll stink up your life. Yeah, preacher, it's a little thing. Nah, you're not hearing me. Little things mean a lot. If you don't deal with this little thing, it can stink up your life. Father, we ask and pray right now as this word has gone forth. I thank you, Lord, for helping me get through this today with this voice. And I ask and pray, God, that now you do, the, you do the major part, you do the heavy lifting in the remainder of this. There's people here that has things that they need to deal with, God, that they would lay them out. They would just pour them out before you and say, I no longer want this dead fly of fill in the blank. I want to get rid of this. Or somebody here this morning that never said yes to you, Lord, I'm praying, God, that you would speak to their heart and that they would say a simple prayer that changes everything, that changes their eternity because the work's already been done by you. In Jesus, we're praying. Amen.
that you have been blessed as you've listened to this message. If you would like to become a partner with this ministry, please contact us here at Orchardville Church. You can visit our website at orchardvillechurch.com or you can contact us by phone at area code 618-835-2677. I saw Jesus